great joy and privilege, Elizabeth Elliott is, is with us. Elizabeth grew up here at the Advent, uh, was on staff here at the Advent, and then felt God's call on her life to go and be a missionary in Nicaragua. And so we're going to talk about uh, all that and, and more this morning, and we'll leave some time at the end for questions and the like. So let's pray. The Lord be with you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we give you great thanks that you call us all into the mission field, but we give you thanks especially for Elizabeth and the work that she does in Nicaragua. Lord, we pray that today we might be witnesses to that great work and our hearts might be encouraged and emboldened uh, to take your gospel message to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Elizabeth, um, you, uh, you were on staff here. And then uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who your favorite dean is. And uh, so you grew up at the Advent. Well, I've, never, loved, you know. I've never been here while you've been the dean. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's talk about qualification. Um, so uh, you grew up, I'd love to hear a little bit about you growing up at the Advent, how you came to faith in general, and then we'll talk about how you felt God's call to go to Nicaragua, into the mission field in Nicaragua in particular? Okay. Um, well, yes, I did grow up here, and I um, I really, I, I mean, I really attribute a lot of um, my conversion, becoming a Christian, to the youth ministry, and um, Gil, and Molly, and Tommy, where Molly Martin, and... Um, <laughs> They were my youth ministers, and so I, I just, God has always put a lot of um, great um, adults, mentors in my life, and um, that's been really important to me, um, for me in my walk, and so part of, when I was in high school, um, we spent some time in Costa Rica with Max Perez, who um, has been uh, another Advent sport missionary in Pakistan, um, and he's from Costa Rica, so um, we spent some time there. And, um, you know, just from the first time that I was there, um, just kind of ignited a interest um, in Latin America and in serving um, in Latin America. And so, um, yeah, I just I, I started pursuing different opportunities, um, learning Spanish, um, I didn't really know exactly what, what that would look like or could look like, but um, I I was, like, traveling as much as I could to Latin America and Spanish-speaking countries and, um, yeah, just different pursuing different different things like that in high school and in college. And then um, I spent a summer in that same place in Costa Rica in college, and um, it was really hard, <laughs> and I left kind of feeling like I think I was wrong about all of this um what made it what made it hard um I think that I, I really like I still feel like that was a super important time in my life um and I actually I think about it a lot um but I think that I went I, I felt very clearly called to be there that summer I didn't really know what that would look like. I didn't really know what I would be doing day to day. I thought I had more of an idea than I actually did. Um, and so there were like um, 
like normal things that were hard, like there were no Americans. Um, that was hard. Uh, I couldn't speak Spanish. I mean, I couldn't speak English. That was hard. Um, and interestingly enough, it was hard, like, feeling like I could never go anywhere and be invisible. Like, I stand out in Latin America. And, um, it's who, yeah. Our, Elizabeth <laughs> Elliott, our missionary to Ireland. Uh. So, like, those, those things were, were hard, but I think also just feeling like, um, I, I really didn't do very much while I was there, um, at all. And so I think that the summer was kind of a process of God deconstructing in me this idea that like he was going to call me to go somewhere and then I was going to like save the world for him basically, you know? And, um, and so it was, it was a really hard summer of me feeling like I'd like, you know, invested so much and, um, sacrificed my summer and was going through all of these hard things to do nothing basically, you know? And so it, but it was, it was really good. I mean, I think, um, it was really good in a just cultural transition sense. I feel like they kind of talk about when you first move to another culture, you have like a honeymoon period where you just think everything is great. And I never had that because I got over that in Costa Rica. Um, but, um, but also just, I, I think it just gave me a new vision of, of ministry in general, not just overseas missions specifically, of just how very clearly it is truly the Lord working through you and only that. Um, so. And so having a heart for, for Latin America, but, mm-hmm. but how did Nicaragua come on the screen? So after that was right before my senior year of college. And, um, I went back to college and was like, now I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> at all. And, um, I, I, I thought that I wanted to work, um, still with Latin Americans, um, maybe in the nonprofit world. Um, and so I was looking for different opportunities like that. And um, Gil and Cameron called me to, about the job at Advent, and I was like, definitely not. Uh, that's like not. Although Gil takes me to Gordo's all the time uh, <laughs> down on Valley Avenue. No, it, it was just like the polar opposite of the type of um, work that I thought that I would be doing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. It, after a couple of weeks, it just became clear that that was where the Lord was calling me. So I came here and felt like I was kind of putting like Latin America on hold, um, or maybe off the table forever. And um, being here and speaking Spanish, I actually got a lot of opportunities to um, travel and and go on short-term mission trips to Latin America um, with Advent, but also with other. Um, I went on a couple with Restoration Academy, and so I got to see a lot of different places and a lot of different ministries, and it gave me a, um, it allowed me to kind of have an idea of what I would want to do and the type of place that I would want to be, and so I, I w- went to Nicaragua a couple of times um, to visit Mike and Lauren, and um, I immediately loved Nicaragua, but I, I um, and, and I was attracted they, in Nicaragua, especially in Managua, where Mike and Lauren are. There's a really, um, like, strong missionary community. And there's a, like, there's a lot of collaboration amongst the missionaries. And there's a lot of accountability, which really does not exist anywhere. Like, normally there's just a lot of competition between missionaries and, like, no accountability. And so I was really surprised by that and attracted to that. But um, what I saw in Managua, in the capital city, was that it was just 
kind of saturated with missionaries. And so I, I didn't really think that I would um, go there. I didn't really think about it as an option. Um, and then after a couple of years of being here, I kind of realized that I, I still had a desire to be in Latin America and that I'd had that for about 10 years. And so I just, it was just something that I kind of needed to take seriously. And so um, I started praying about it and Mike and Lauren were kind of praying with me and um, helping me think about different things that I would want to do. And um, they kept saying, like, you should be in a school, you should be in a school. And I was like, yeah, like I get, I think that you're right, but I don't really want to like go to, I don't feel called to be a teacher forever. And so I don't really want to go to graduate school to be a teacher. And um, so then um, this opportunity um, opened up where the the school association that they're involved with was um, was opening a new school in another city in, in Nicaragua. And um, the city that I live in, Matagalpa, is it's like in the northern part, um, and it's a little bit, it's a much smaller city. It's a little bit more agricultural. Um, it's actually really different in a lot of ways. And, and so um, it's a city where there were no Christian schools. Um, There's really not a lot of missionary presence. And, um, and so, I don't know, it was, it was an exciting opportunity to me in a lot of ways. I think I was excited about um, being involved with it like from from the beginning um and so yeah i i kind of they put me in touch with um carrie who's the director of the school and um or who was helping open it and then it just seemed like all of the things that i had been praying about that i like felt like would have been a good fit for me um but didn't necessarily expect god to provide all of those things it felt like all of those things were a part of this opportunity in the school. So. What What does a day in the life of Elizabeth Elliot look like in um, Matagalpa? Uh, okay. Um, I, I'm pretty much at school all day. It's not that exciting. Because, um, you, you know, like when you're little and you think your teacher, like when you see your teacher, your first grade teacher in the grocery store, you're like, who let you out of school? You think they live there? <laughs> Do you actually live at the school? Well, I actually did live at the school at oh. one point <laughs> Um, but I, our teacher devotions start at seven. So, um, I usually get to school by like 620. It's really early. Um, and I, we do teacher devotions and then, and that's, that's actually really cool. Our, our teachers, I think have grown a lot from just like reading the Bible every morning. It's not part of their culture to read the Bible for themselves. So. Um, and how many how many uh, folks from Nicaragua are you working with there? Uh, how many? What's the ratio of non-Nicaraguans to? It's vast majority Nicaraguans. Um, I, the first year we had um, eight teachers, and I was the only non-Nicaraguan teacher. And then last year we had um, like sixteen teachers. And we actually had a lot of, like, a lot of the new teachers were American, but that's that was kind of an anomaly. Like, that's not a normal year. So I think, I think we had four, four new American teachers last year. So there were five of us. Oh, wow. And I mean, these these kids. Who are the kids that are going to your school? Um, uh, well, part of the vision of NCA is. Um, 
this is kind of, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of how much like culture and history I should explain, but part of the vision of NCA is, um, is to form and develop and invest in the future leaders of Nicaragua. And so um, the association as a whole, like their target um, population is middle class. Um, so it's not the poorest of the poor. Um, and, and the reason for that is um, because Nicaragua is, is a country that has never had leadership. Um, they've never had. Yeah, who's the president of Nicaragua right now? Um, Daniel Ortega. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember him? I, yeah, and he calls himself a president. I don't know, I don't know how much you should say on tape. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, they, and even in like, I mean, obviously the government is not a just or fair government, and they've never seen a just or fair government. But, but even like um, bosses are not just or fair, or even like parents or teachers, you know, like there's no leadership that is, like people have never seen leadership that is looking for a great, the greater good. Um, they've only ever seen leadership that's looking for their betterment, like the person who's in charge. So, so yeah, like our vision is, um, is to form um, leaders with a Christian worldview. Um, and so, um, we like our hope is that um, that would be a lo- that would create long-term change in Nicaragua from the top down. And it, the first NCA school, which is an international school, um, is about 20 years old, and they're just now starting to have um, their old students come back and um, invest in Nicaragua. Our school is a little bit different. Like our students won't leave Nicaragua; they won't go to school in the states, but. Um, but it is, ex- like, I feel like we, a lot of our students own coffee farms, for example. And so, like, we're already seeing, I mean, even after two years, families who own coffee farms who are, like, investing in their workers in a different way. Um, and just, like, the way, I don't know, I think our students are um, seeing that, like, there, there are other options besides just the way it's always been. So, I don't know. it. It's a really exciting vision to me. I think the longer I'm there and the more I understand the culture and the history of Nicaragua, the more I really believe in this vision of investing in the leadership. Do you find, I mean, one of the questions is often asked is, you know, why why would someone from the United States be a missionary to somewhere like Nicaragua, which the world might say, well, they're already Christians. Mm-hmm. So why, why go there? I can understand maybe the sort of social justice aspect mm-hmm. of it, but... Yeah, it's a good question, and honestly, I, like, struggled with that question a lot um, when I was discerning, I mean, even going, moving to Latin America at all. um, I think that the bottom line is that, like, God calls us where he calls us, and we're all in ministry no matter where we we are, Um, but... But it is a strong value of our organization to to create Nicaraguan leadership, and so we we are intentionally putting Nicaraguans in leadership instead of putting Americans in leadership. And so it is like it does kind of beg the question of like, well, what are we doing here after all? <laughs> um, the simple answer, I mean, for our school, the simple answer is for English teachers, um, like we've committed to always having native English speakers. So. Like, I think the long-term vision for our school is that we would, like, 
invest in Nicaraguan leadership and put them in leadership, and then the only Americans would be English teachers. Um, but I think right now, um, I think Nicaragua really, like, well, I think in any culture, I think when you bring, when you come in from another culture, it's helpful um, to, like, you see things more clearly, you can ask better questions. Um, there's just a, a different clarity when you're coming from the outside. Um, yeah, and I think as far as, like, um, spiritually speaking, I think Nicaragua, like, we talk about Nicaragua, it is heavily Catholic, um, but there is about about 20% of the population is evangelical. Um, no one is not a Christian. Like, that's not an option that you can check on survey. Um, and that doesn't mean that people aren't actually Christian. I mean, it's similar to the South in a lot of ways. Um, it's just very cultural. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, we talk about the church there is a mile wide and an inch deep. I mean, there's just um, no discipleship um, in the Catholic or the evangelical church. Um, and and really, both churches suffer a lot from, I mean, they're just, there's no gospel. Both of them are very self-righteous in very different ways, and they point the finger at the other one, but it's the same. Like, the, Catholic, the evangelical church will always say that the Catholic church is just rote religion, and and it is in a lot of ways, um, and and that they don't have any real relationship with with God. And I think the evangelical church is highly legalistic, and in the same way, it's it's become or it is kind of rote religion, and very few of them, um, like there there just isn't a, a true vibrancy. There, so. And Mike was Mike Dibert when he was here was telling us about the the whole issue over tattoos and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. about how if you had a tattoo um, you would basically go to hell yeah. and here's this missionary with a tattoo mm-hmm. uh, and so he sort of revealed it to them and they were <gasps> yeah. you know uh, one of those moments um, it also you know it'll change your mind too if the guy is six six and yeah. you know staring down at you uh, you'll be like oh no they're fine um, what um, change your theology pretty quick. Um, at this point, how long have you been in Nicaragua? Two years. Two, so in two years' time, it's – is it – you know, when you went down there, of course, there's the adjustment that you talked about, especially like when you were in Costa Rica. But when you come home to America, do you actually find yourself longing for certain things back in Nicaragua? Yeah. I mean, I think um, a lot of people ask me this question. I think in a lot of ways, like I've – this is very clearly home to me, Birmingham and Advent. And so I think it's easier for me to come home and, like, jump back into the world here than it is for a lot of missionaries. Um, a lot of missionaries just don't have home. Um, and that's a really hard thing. Um, but, I I mean, yeah, there's so much about – there's so much about Nicaragua that's hard that I'm, like, constantly logging for, like, unlimited options of food and – that I don't have to make myself and, you know, things like that. But, um, but there's a lot of things about, there are a lot of things about living in Nicaragua that, that I do long for. I think, um, you know, our community there is small and I often, I mean, it's often hard because, um, you know, I'm often lonely. There aren't a lot of people around, but, 
the people that are there, our community is so rich, and it's, um, I don't know, I think that it's given me a new, a new vision of what Christian community really is, because, like, none of us chose each other. <laughs> they just were the ones that were there, you it's know? It's like the real world on MTV. <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like family, you know, which is, like, what Christian community is right. supposed to be, and so, um, yeah, like, you live life with each other, and you support each other, and sometimes you don't like each other, but that's who God's given you. And so, um, I don't know. I, I really do. I miss that when I'm here. Um, do you have relationships outside of school? Because, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, if, you, if you're if you living, working, socializing with the same people, I mean, that, that is pretty close quarters. Yeah. I mean, do you have, have you? Um, a few, mm-hmm. but not. It's pretty much like. Almost all of the Americans that I know down there are involved with the school. Um, and then most of my Nicaraguan friends are are the teachers and the, the school community. But, um, but yeah, there are a few. And actually in Madagalpa, like in the last year, when I first got there, there was really just like two other families, American families. Um, were they both missionary families? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Those are families that I knew. There are like some others that I don't really see or no, um, but there, there are, there have been probably like six other couples or families that have come this year, which is a lot. I mean, it's a big group. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the majority of my community is school community. Do you dream in Spanish? (laughs) I do sometimes. I mean, like, honestly, I can't really distinguish. Like, it means the same thing to me. So I think sometimes I wake up or I, like, catch myself thinking, and I'm like, oh, I think that I was, why am I thinking in Spanish, you know? But, um, but yeah. Normally when I'm, like, thinking about how to explain something that's difficult, I think about it in Spanish because I feel like that's, like, my Spanish world is explaining things that people don't get. And so, that's very funny. <laughs> So, and um, is this, do you feel like that this is God's call on your life? I mean, we know he's called you there right now, but uh, are you sort of like, hey, as far as that, I'm here indefinitely, loving Nicaragua, this is where God wants me, loving the school, I love teaching, or are you, you know, thinking, you know, maybe maybe this isn't what I'm going to be doing? Um, That's, I'm sorry, if I'm putting you on the spot, don't. It, you're not putting me on the spot, it's okay. Um, I, I really don't know the answer, though, sorry. <laughs> Um, I think I really love um, I really love being a part of the school. I really love the school a lot, um, and I it's really exciting to me to feel like um, I really believe in what we're doing, and I get to see that vision like being played out every day. Um, uh, I I do think that at some point. God will call me away from the school. Um, I think that, like, I mean, our goal is to work ourselves out of the job there, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I don't really know. I mean, people ask me this question all the time. I, I Like, I feel like I could be there for one more year or, like, ten more years, and I really, like, I couldn't tell you. Do you, how much interaction do you have in, uh, with, with the families of the students coming in? Is, it, is education much more comprehensive in Nicaragua in that way? Because, I mean, here families are invested, but, it, yeah. you know, uh, I'm not inviting my children's teachers over for, for yeah. dinner or anything. You think it's bad here. It's, <laughs> I mean, we, 
our school has um, tries to create an atmosphere in which parents are involved. And in fact, like um, this year, we required them to do five volunteer service hours at the school, only five hours, and it was like a huge uproar. Um, like they are not involved at all, and and part of that is because of like I don't know how many of you guys were here when Mike and Lauren were talking and explaining kind of the culture of Nicaragua, but the way it affects education is that um, like the end goal of education in Nicaragua is to get the right answer and for it to be pretty. And so um, it, it's very much a socialist, I mean, it's affected by the socialist government and, and there's very little understanding of like the process of, of learning. And so there's no like creativity or, um, you know, critical thinking um, or problem solving. And so um, it's not encouraged or expected in the schools. And so parents, it's like, what role would they play in that? None. You know, their teachers are the ones who copy the things on the board that their kids are supposed to memorize. The kids memorize them, and then that's all. You know. What does that look like? I mean, it, I mean, that's that's actually a really interesting point. It, you know, if if a nation is going to, to thrive, I mean, especially when you're talking about cultural capital, mm-hmm. um, the whole idea of, of creativity and uh, ingenuity and things like that and innovation, mm-hmm. um, it, I mean, are you are, are there pockets of that in Nicaragua? Are you all trying to help facilitate that? And, yeah. and what, what's the reaction of the kids? And do you see already, even in a young child who is being encouraged at school to be creative, uh, conflict created at home? Yeah, um, I think that, like, that, like, our role as a school is just that, like, to foster, um, I mean, in a, in the academic sense, like, in, in the ways that we're forming a student academically, we are wanting to form, we are wanting to create, um, students who are creative and critical thinkers and ingenuitive and, and problem solvers, and it is, uh, I mean, I see that as the way for Nicaragua to move forward. Um, it's crazy to see, like, how far behind Nicaragua is from other Central American countries. Um, and, and the difference is those countries, I mean, those countries have people who are, like, professionals, and they do things well, and they do things, like, um, I don't know, it's just, it's so different. Um, but, yeah, we do see conflict, I mean, it, it's a process of educating the parents just as much, and it's much harder to educate the parents. I mean, I think uh, we constantly fight against parents doing their work for their kids, like cheating for their kids or encouraging their kids to cheat. Because, I wish I had those parents. Man. <laughs> because, like, they're, they're, in their mind, the, the end goal is to get the right answer. And so, what, like, in other schools, it really is encouraged to cheat. And so, what, like, they don't understand... If you if there's no understanding of a process of learning, then so why do they pick your school? Well, a lot of parents come to our school because of the English program, um, and so we, um, I mean, obviously that's a really big value in Nicaragua is being able to speak English. They kind of see it as like the ticket out of poverty, and um, and I we kind of resist that. Like we want to create a we want to create a good English program. We want to give our students those tools, but we kind of resist like. If there's a parent who comes and that's the only thing that they're interested in, we probably won't accept them. <laughs> Just because, like, um, yeah, I mean, it, 
we're asking a lot more of our of our parents and and if they're not like on board with what we're doing it's just going to be an uphill battle but but i mean like our school is the best school in town and so that's why they come um and then some people some people come like pretty much everyone who came the first year came because it was a, the only evangelical christian school um so they were excited about that and uh, what what are the grades that we've got here um well in 2013, we had first through seventh. Last year, we had kindergarten through eighth, and then next year, we'll go up through ninth. Eventually, we'll go preschool through 11th grade, which is the last grade in the school system. And where are they going after they finish at NCA? Um, a few of our kids, like maybe one each year, may go to school in the States or in Canada. Um, but... Honestly, like we're, our goal is not really to prepare them for that. So they would have to do a lot of work outside of school to get to be ready for that. But um, most of our students will go to college in Nicaragua, um, and then they'll probably come back and work for their family. So um, run coffee farms, most of them. Um, some of them, like our hope is that there will be that there will be professionals, um, like good doctors and good lawyers and good business people. Um, but our, our area is primarily coffee. And so most of our kids' families are involved in agriculture. Are they smaller individual coffee farms? Are they big sort of owned? Uh, they're small. Like some of our families may own a couple of farms, but they would own, like, it depends. They could own a small farm. Um, they could own a farm and, a um, I don't know, like, Beneficio. I don't. I don't know what you call it in English. It's like the place where. You what do you mean you don't know what we call it in English? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like the place where you like. How do you say? Process, like process the coffee. Uh, I don't know. Um, so they're different. Okay. Different yeah. It's not really a mill. Everybody comes to the same place to process. Right. Yeah. So is there is there competition in? Um, you know. You know that, like, if you go to World of Coke, Coke just tastes better there. If you go to the Guinness Storehouse in <laughs> Dublin, it just, Guinness just tastes better there. Um, does it? Does the coffee taste better in Nicaragua? I mean, Nicaraguans have a lot of pride in their coffee, but um, honestly, they export it all, so it's really hard to get. That's Nicaraguan what I've heard. That they, they, they yeah. actually don't do a lot of. Yeah. So what, just instant, or what are they drinking? Yeah. No, I mean, they like can't Nescafe. afford... Yeah, like they can't afford Nicaraguan coffee, so they drink instant coffee, if they drink coffee. Nicaraguans and the English. Yeah. <laughs> instant coffee. Yeah. Um, but they, like... Yeah, they have a lot of pride in their coffee. Yeah. So. Well, does anyone... Uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Anyone want to ask uh, Elizabeth a question? I'm going to hand, hand the mic up. Some of the ways that you're sharing the gospel in Nicaragua. Well, that's a good question. Um, our school is a Christian school, and actually, my role at the school is um, primarily like developing the spiritual formation side of the school. And so, um, I mean, all of our teachers, we have an amazing staff, and they all see themselves as um, ministers. Um, they see their jobs as ministry to the students. Um, my job specifically, um, this last year I've been teaching Bible classes, which has been really fun. Um, and then, um, like, trying to kind of figure out, I mean, honestly, it's a lot like youth ministry, like trying to figure out how to 
um, reach all of our students and our families because they are all coming from pretty different places um, and, and like how we as a school can set up um, programs that, that meet all those kids in different places. Um, I think like for me, I, I, um, I see so clearly that like the gospel of grace is not present in Nicaragua. And so I am like constantly trying to um, bring that into everything that we do um, in Nicaragua. And, and, and it's kind of a fight, honestly, um, because it's not the culture and it's not like I felt like for the first six months that I was there, like in morning devotions with our teachers, I was like, are we reading the same Bible? Like, how are you coming up with this? You know? Give us an example of that. Um, I don't know. I can't think of, an, of a specific example. But like, okay, here's one. This just came into my mind. Um, one time in chapel, uh, we have weekly chapel, and it's like getting better every year. The first year was not good. Um, and one of our teachers who actually, I, I think when she came in, she was like, like she only wears skirts. Um, she's like very legalistic. And now I actually think that she has a pretty good understanding of the gospel, like maybe more so than a lot of our other like teachers. One day she rolled out in pants and they're like, yes! Not quite. Well, she does actually wear them more. It's funny. Um, <laughs> but she, no, so one of the very first chapels, I remember like um, she was teaching on... Um, when Jesus healed the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years or however, whatever. And, um, and basically it was like, um, so, you know, kids, like she was, she was so sick for 12 years. Like, why do you think God didn't heal her for 12 years? And, and then why do you think he finally healed her after 12 years? And, um, they were all like, cause, cause she had faith because she didn't have faith before, and then she had faith. And so, and it was just this, like, uh, I, I don't know, it crushed me to hear it, because I felt like the answer was she finally got it together, um, and that's why God finally decided to heal her after 12 years. Um, I don't know. That is that a good example. <laughs> so, I mean, the understanding that, that some things in life you can't make rhyme or reason of, but... God will heal you or God will bless you if you pass mm-hmm. together and you're being really good. Mm-hmm. If bad things are happening in your life, it must mean you're being really bad and God is displeased with you. So mm-hmm. action consequence. Yeah, everything is definitely action consequence. Um, and it's funny because I think that they they know the words like prosperity gospel and like legalism and they're all like, we're definitely not that. Um, <laughs> but they are. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's my question. So, so in a country where everyone is a Christian mm-hmm. and they're all legalistic, then I guess the point of being a missionary there is to kind of bring grace into their lives, right? Mm-hmm. The, a graceful gospel message. And, yeah. like, how will that – I mean, I guess it sounds hard to me, and I – We'll pray for you about this because I don't know how you do that um, and not kind of default to like when you're talking about building leaders Mm -hmm. and building better leaders when all they've seen are Christian leaders who are corrupt. Mm -hmm. Then like how do you do that without it sounding like they have to be good people? Yeah. 
That's that's an interesting question. Our our mission statement um, talks about like we want to um, like we want our, our students who graduate. We want them to be disciples of Christ who um, are have academic excellence, moral courage, and spiritual discernment. And I think um, I think that like what I I kind of constantly have to fight against feeling like. I'm in, like, battle against other Christians, you know? And, like, I, I don't want to be constantly critical. I don't, you know? And so um, I think that one of the ways that I I feel like um, I've been doing that specifically is constantly pointing people to Scripture um, and, and asking them to look at what is actually there and not what they think is there. And then um, also, like, with my students, um, kind of like opening up the world to them, the world of ideas and opinions to them because they've never been given the license to have an opinion. Um, and so like feeling like, um, the, I feel like that's the spiritual discernment part, like um, allowing them, giving them do- the eyes to be, to have their own opinions and to be discerning about um, how, like what they're doing and what they're seeing does compare with scripture um, so I don't know. I mean, it's a hard it's a hard thing, but those are two two things that I feel like have, have been clear for me this year, especially. Well, I would encourage anybody who's teenagers are thinking about going on the mission trip. It is a wonderful place to go. What she's doing will open their eyes to the living gospel. But it's a safe country. But I guess the best part about it is they don't have junk mail there, right? Because they don't have a mail system. No mail. Zero. We have junk text messages. <laughs> Does that count? I mean, can you imagine living somewhere where there was no mail? We're getting close. Elizabeth, <laughs> you know, we pray for you every Sunday. But what we say in church is we pray for... Elizabeth and the Dowers, what specifically would you have us pray? Um, thank you for asking that question. Um, I think, um, I think really like my my deepest desire for the kids and for the community is just this: what we've been talking about, like that um, the gospel would really permeate that they would um, that God would. Uh, change them um, and and obviously all the time I'm being like constantly confronted with sin in my life and in it, part of being in, a, in another culture is that that's how that happens <laughs> um, but so I think that like that's that's obviously not something that we can do um, that's something that God has to do and so I think um, for the gospel in Nicaragua um but also just for wisdom for me and the um, administration of the school as we make decisions with that goal in mind um, that we would that we would have wisdom and discernment and um, yeah I think that's that's my prayer for Nicaragua. Um, Elizabeth, I appreciate and uh, really admire your courage to step out and serve. Um, we have a large church here and a lot of resources and a lot of young people. 
have you considered keeping a diary of notes of how to enter into missions? Because I think uh, it'd be great if the church was challenged to send our young people into missions also to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thought. I mean, I think I really believe in. There's a lot of um, there are a lot of opinions about short-term missions these days, or missions in general, actually. Um, I really believe in short-term missions mainly because they were like it was so important in my life just to growing up in a place like Mountain Brook and in Advent where everyone is the same and everything is the same and it's so easy to just be the same um, and to not really ever think about um, much at all, <laughs> you know. Um, I think it was short, like being taken out of that culture was really important for me. I mean, personally, but specifically spiritually. Um, but I do think, I, I don't know. So I, like, that's what I, I, that's why I like that Advent does short-term trips. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And I, and I, I want to encourage um, our students to do that. That was part of my heart for them while I was in the youth ministry as well. Okay, y'all can bombard Elizabeth down front. Um, <laughs> oh, I Deborah wanted me to oh, announce yes. the um, the information meeting for 10th through 12th grade students interested in going to Nicaragua is today at 2:30 at Cranmer House. That's right. yeah. Okay. All right. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you.